Witty, thought-provoking, and uplifting, Southern Soul Livestream is a program that you'll invite your friends over to watch every week where you'll learn about interesting guests and get to share in their fascinating experiences. Tune in each Thursday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern to connect with guests from across the generations and to laugh with our eclectic hosts who are as charming as they are talented. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here's our host, Calvin. People, tonight we have a cool show. We're switching it up a little bit. You know, we got to switch it up, do some things a little different. The topic tonight is money matters. And when I started thinking about this show, I was like, well, who can kind of, you know, you know, help break it down for us? Who are some people who can come share with us their wisdom, their perspective of this topic that I call disrupting wealth disparity, closing the Black Family Wealth Gap with Risk Management and Financial Literacy. We're going to have um, two speakers tonight, and we're going to start out with Yolanda, and then we're going to transition to the winner of our trivia, Steve, and we're just going to get started with Yolanda. Yolanda, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome, lady. Awesome. I mean, what, what, what do you think about the trivia? I think you, you ready? You think you can win? I mean, what, do you, what are your thoughts? Um, that was a little tough, and um, I gave it my college effort, but those were hard. <laughs> and But they were good. They were challenging, keeping our brain sharp. Awesome. Awesome. Yes, yes. You know, I, I think I, I have no idea how I know the answers. But, you know, I would like to get started with you. If you don't mind telling us a little bit about you, you know, your origin story, you know, how you got started, your background, you know, where you live and things like that. So the audience can kind of get to know you, get to know who you are and what you do. So I'm Yolanda McCombe. I am originally from Greenville, North Carolina, or somewhere close to there, um, <laughs> which is Pitt County, rural Eastern North Carolina. Um, I went to UNC Chapel Hill literally the day after I graduated high school, and I have been on this journey of um, fulfilling my purpose, which after I graduated from undergraduate, um, for my under, undergraduate years, I was trying to find a job and um, that search led me into the financial services field. So I spent almost 10 years in the financial services field becoming as educated as I could and, um, you know, getting all of the certifications that I could, um, my MBA, my um, investment license, insurance license, uh, my trust license, as well as a, a accredited financial counselor. So I have the gambit of financial licenses to help our community. And what I found in working in the financial services field is that typically the black community, they, they really just don't know how to navigate finances, um, whether they have a little or a lot. And that's not to say everybody deals with this, but there's a great majority of the um, middle class who is, of black families who are left behind because they don't know how to manage their money and develop a positive relationship with their money. So I um, am a huge advocate for economic development and economic mobility for families. Um, I spend a lot of time helping individuals as well as families um, find more money so that they can put more money to work. And that is however that works for them. So whether it is helping them negotiate raises, whether it is helping them restructure their budgets to be able to have a, a strategic plan for their money to work for them. I spend time with families helping them to understand what it means to uh, move beyond financial trauma, address financial insecurity, and to really develop a healthy relationship with money. Awesome. Awesome. You know, Yolanda, thanks for sharing that. You know, you know, anybody who knows me know that I, I'm really passionate about a, a solid origin story. You know, recently I was talking to someone and it reminded me of why we do what we do. You know, and the statement is, it's our stories that connect us. It's the stories that we share that connect us. And I happen to know that you actually have a testimony, right? You know, where you haven't always been like this MBA financial guru person who just kind of, you know, do this thing. You kind of had to learn yourself. Do you mind sharing with us some of the, you know, challenges and things that, you know, you went through before you became, let's say, a person who teaches this? Yes, 
<clears throat> so lived experience is something that I uh, came upon uh, around 30, 31. So um, I had my whole life planned out, y'all, literally my whole entire life up until about 30 when I had my first child um, and my only child. Um, he's three. <laughs> and so when I um, had him, my world just kind of went into a tailspin. So um, I took you know, the time that I needed off work for maternity leave. And then that just left us with um, trying to figure out how to navigate, you know, being parents, how to pick up these extra expenses with having daycare bills now, having to pay for diapers and, you know, everything that comes with having a new child. And then in 2019, um, well, 2018, my husband, he started his business. Um, he left his job to start a, a law firm. And that was going good until 2019 when he ran into a serious medical issue and couldn't work. And that was the first bit of me having to lean into what I had been teaching people. And what I found, it's so easy for me to tell other people how to do it. But my God, when I was in the middle of it, it felt so difficult. And having that, that experience really opened my eyes to um, having compassion, even more compassion to helping people navigate through financial tra financially traumatic situations. Um, six months to the day. So the first issue happened April 1st. The second issue um, happened October 1st, and my husband got into a really bad car accident where he was in a seven-car crash um, on his way home, and I happened to be on the phone with him while this was going on, and so um, we were, you know, he lost the car. We, we were not in a really good financial space. So we borrowed a car from his parents for a little bit while we tried to make things, you know, work. <clears throat> we lost income, of course. And so what I found was life happened. And we, as much as we tried to prepare for those moments, we were really caught with our pants down because we had a lot of transitions happen within a short amount of time. So having to navigate through that myself and having to really apply what I already knew but help other people through was um, very hard because when you're in the middle of a financially traumatic situation, it's really difficult to see the outside uh, and to see your way through. And without having guidance and without having someone who can pluck you out of that situation and show you the way and show you the light and help you navigate through that, it is really difficult. So what I found is I really have a heart for helping people navigate through those moments and navigate through that financial trauma because, you know, you get into survival mode. And when you're in survival mode, you're not thinking about the future. You're trying to get through today and you probably, you know, you have a plan for tomorrow and you're hoping and wishing that nothing crazy happens that completely throws you off. So I try to help people rebound from financially traumatic situations, develop a plan and then start to plan in preparation for some something chaotic happening, even if it never happens, it is so much better to have a plan in place, just like you have life insurance, just like you have insurance on your cell phone, insurance on your car. You need to have insurance on your financial security so that you can pivot if something does happen and it doesn't tear down your whole entire house. Awesome. Yolanda, thank you for sharing that. I mean, I can only imagine, you know, what it is to share that in, but I also imagine that how powerful it is you know, people going through these things and they feel like they're alone. They feel like they're the only one. So I think it's awesome to have someone such as yourself who doesn't just talk to talk or preach it. You know what it means. And I also like how you pivoted. And this has gave you an opportunity, an opportunity, excuse me, to help underserved communities heal from. And I love this word, financial trauma. And I think that's kind of a, a phrase that you've kind of been using. And, you know, I think you made it popular. So I, I love that. I'm calling that Yolanda's hashtag, you know, financial <laughs> trauma. But can you walk us through this thing that you call developing a positive relationship with money? What does that mean to you? Because I, I think I kind of get it. I love the imagery, but I see this place of financial trauma. And then I see this place of developing a positive relationship with money. Can you walk us through that and tell us about how that works? Yes. So being in a financially traumatic situation is any type of negative financial transition that causes you to have an interruption in income, causes you to not be able to pay your bills. It causes you stress about money and it becomes a cycle. And you don't most people when they go through a financially traumatic situation, they, they get on this cycle and this hamster wheel of I'm just trying to make it from paycheck to, to really Saturday. Right. So it's this whole thing of, all right, well, 
even if I have money to be able to pay my bills, I'm going to go ahead and pay everything at the beginning of the month so that it's all paid, but then the rest of the month you don't have any money, so you're not giving yourself any type of emergency plan, right? Or if you find yourself in a situation where you're making the type of money that you've never made before and you just never, you don't know how to manage that money, that can be a financially traumatic situation. And what I found is people don't know how to leverage the money that they make. And what I mean by that is they don't know how to navigate the banking system, right? They don't know how to go into a bank and make that money work for them to get um, loans that don't cost them an arm and a leg with 24% interest rates, right? They don't know how to navigate getting mortgages. They don't know how to navigate money market accounts and CDs and understand how those different things work. So developing a positive relationship with money for me means to overcome that financial trauma, right? So then you can be able to say, instead of your money telling you what to do, you are in control of your money. So when you get paid, it's, I can make this money work for the time frame that I need to make it work. I can put money in my savings account and not touch it. I can put money towards my investments. I can put money towards paying off debt. I can put money towards my investment account. Um, excuse me, my emergency fund. And knowing that you don't have to touch those funds because you are making your ends meet beyond what you need, right? Because a, a lot of people also um, deal with financial trauma from being afraid to invest their money because they don't understand risk and reward, right? So a lot of people just don't take risk. They think they're not taking risk, but they really are. So if you're putting your money in a bank account and just let it sit there, you're taking a risk. That's purchasing power risk and that's inflation risk. And right now you see that we're going through an inflationary time where things don't cost the same um, as it did just three months ago. So if you aren't putting your money to work and letting your money um, outpace inflation, then you are putting yourself at risk. Regardless of you thinking you are providing some type of security for yourself, what you're really doing is shooting yourself in the foot because that money doesn't spend the same way that it did yesterday. So a lot of people, they do the best that they can um, and they hold on to what they have, the, the money that they have without thinking about the long term and really what risk and reward looks like for them in the long term and what that can do for them in the long term. You know, you know, th thanks for sharing that. I can tell from the things you speak of, you are definitely passionate about this, you know, and, and I love it because there's nothing more than people who are passionate about what they do, you know, and I can see, you know, from you continue that passion, right? When you, when you created the group organization, can we be right? Your initiative focused on building economic equity. And I love that because it fits with the theme tonight, closing the family wealth gap. Do you mind um, telling us about Can We Be and why you created it? And, you know, so it seems like working just directly with people wasn't enough for you. It seems like you wanted to take an additional step. Absolutely. And this is on a community level. Um, one thing that equity provides is access. And um, that is through home ownership. And that's one of my biggest platforms that I, I absolutely love people um, achieving their goal of home ownership because um, I'm not sure if how many of you have read the racial wealth gap and, and black banks, um, but it's a we're now dealing with the effects of being left out of the financial systems for so long, right? And because we haven't had the opportunity to have um, equity built up through, say, home ownership, say, through investing, right? Because we either could not do it or it, you know, people before us just didn't know, so they didn't pass down that generational knowledge. Um, we are now playing catch up in what's called equity, right? And equity provides access. So equity provides access in you being able to say, um, you know, get out of debt. It provides access to you being able to start a business. It provides access to you being able to take money and invest in the market and make a return on your investment, right? And so um, Can We Be is really an initiative for communities to start to understand what can equity do for you? What is equity? What can it do for you? Can we build economic equity where we can go into the banks without having some um, stress and, and frustration of being told no every time we go to the bank? Understanding how to walk into a bank and ask for what you need. Understanding how to walk into a bank and ask for you know um, funding for your, your businesses, funding for a mortgage, funding for um, a project, right? Something that allows you to create a return on your investment. And that's what Can We Be is, is for. It's really to teach um, 
communities on a grander level, what it looks like to actually navigate through um, financial systems so that you can start to build equity so that you can pass down this equity and build this generational wealth to the next generation. One of the issues that we have currently is that um, on a grand scale, right? Again, I'm not talking about every single person because there are people who have figured it out. But for a lot of black communities on a grand scale, right? There has been no wealth passed down. It has been debt and stress that has been passed down. And without having somebody to stop that cycle of passing down things that do not appreciate, we will not be able to build that equity that will then start to truly close the wealth gap. You, you know, I, I like the way you describe that. And, 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 and I actually like the way you couch it. You like some people have figured it out. And it's always the case, right? Some people have figured it out. So I commend you. Now, you're located in North Carolina. Now, do you um, help people outside of North Carolina? And Tamika's going to drop your information in the chat. And um, hang tight, because what we're going to do is we're going to do, um, talk with Steve. Steve is going to continue the baton, because I know he has some more awesome um, jewels to drop. But I know I think you do um, initial cons consultations, right? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to share that information and let people know um, what that consultation looks like and, mm -hmm. you know, where they're located. They can access you, you know, um, virtually. How does that work? Yes. Yeah, so I, I actually have clients internationally mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, what, you know, the financial principles are the same no matter where your location is, no matter what the currency is that you're dealing with. And so I help people uh, right where they are. And so that initial consultation helps me understand what your issues are with your current situation with your money. And from there, we decide, you know, what is it that you want your next six months and your next 12 months to look like? And I start the consultation off with, um, you know, just having a conversation, getting into the mindset of what people are going through, right? What is it that is keeping you from being financially successful in your eyes? And from there, you know, I have a, a list of what three months looks like and the services that we offer at three months, which is typically going to be um, debt management, a spending plan, and, um a savings plan because if you don't have that foundation then nothing else that we talk about is gonna work like nothing else so that, those are the first three things that we work on and then from there we talk about those other things like risk management so your insurance and making sure that your insurance is is where it needs to be making sure that you are covered right if something does happen to you um, having a conversation about estate planning having that conversation about um, you know where to get more money from if that's what you're wanting to do so um, we spend a lot of time initially setting that foundation and then moving forward into some of those more um, higher level things to um, manage and mitigate risk management and to really start to build on to establish wealth. Well, you know, that sounds awesome. And I can imagine for anybody who's out there who's definitely trying to improve their relationship with money and create a positive relationship with money. In addition, if they have some goals, goals like they want to buy a house, yeah. goals like they want to buy a car, but they just can't seem to get ahead, then it sounds like what I could imagine, you know, connecting with you and allowing you to walk with them as they achieve them goals is definitely a win-win. So Yolanda, thank you for um, getting us started tonight. Hold tight, you know, we're gonna um, transition to Steve and Steve is gonna continue the baton. He's gonna take um, the foundation of what Yolanda has said and what he's gonna do is talk to us about the concept of what it means to manage risk. And I love that topic of risk management because what it tell what it means to me is that you're gonna manage risk anyway, and that's pretty much what Yolanda said. Now let's talk about what that risk can look like. And Tamika, if you don't mind helping me get Steve spotlighted, that would be perfect. There he is. Steve, how's it going, my brother? It's going well, and I appreciate a lot of what Yolanda just shared with us. I mean, she dropped a lot of jewels, and uh, I see your IBM uh, mastermind background uh, uh -huh. at work here, Calvin, uh, putting us two together on this uh, on this very important topic. It's it's a it's a broad topic, but um, a lot of the things Yolanda shared, uh, I'm just going to try and focus in on that piece we talked about. Uh, some time ago as it relates to life insurance. She talked about 
uh, life insurance, but mm -hmm. she's got a whole financial planning thing going on. And I want to kind of zero in on one aspect because she talked about that. Um, she talked about families, families in our community, not being able to transfer that wealth. Okay. Transferring debt and, 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 and leaving bills. But, um, I think when you and I talked, we talked about the policy man, okay, back in the uh, day that used to come see great grandma, great grandpa, uh, come over, to, come over to the other side of the tracks and sell that nickel policy, that nickel burial policy, you know, and folks scraped together those nickels and, and bought those policies, uh, trying to make sure they weren't leaving debt, you know, a lot of those policies might not have been worth the paper they were printed on, but that was the policy man's job to, to sell those policies. Uh, he'd go back to the other side of the tracks and he'd sell those policies that um, would allow uh, customers to build up that, uh, uh, that cash value. Okay. And when you have death benefit with cash value, what you're building is equity. Okay. One of my guys was playing uh, football up in Michigan and his teammate, uh, my guy, African-American, his teammate, uh, white guy, Grammy died and he had to go home to Grammy's funeral. And when he came back, you know, everybody's like, Hey man, how you doing? It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Grammy's in a good place. You know, when he came back, he drove back to campus in a, in a Ford F-150 new new pickup truck. He's like, yeah, Grammy left me this truck. She left me the house and she left me some cash. So think about that. Grammy had a life insurance policy that when she passed away, she was able to take the benefits of that policy and give it to that next generation. So how does that benefit uh, my guy's teammate? He ain't got a car note. He ain't got a mortgage note. The two biggest expenses Grammy has taken care of. Oh, and she infused some cash. So when you travel across America, and I've done this, I've taken a train from Chicago to Fort Worth, and you pull into you pull into America. I, I saw this the guy got a Silverado, uh, a camper, or uh, ATVs, or some snowmobiles, a, a, a pit bull. This guy's working at Whirlpool making $35 an hour or what, what happened. You know? But he's got a house which has equity in it, which someone gave to him, a family member gave to him. So as Yolanda said, we've, uh, we've been locked out of uh, a lot of those vehicles, a lot of those financial vehicles that allow us to build up that equity and then transfer it. Um, one of the things I do in my day-to-day is uh, talk to people about something Yolanda touched on, which is that life insurance, that policy that you purchase. Um, I had a conversation with my sister. I was like, I need to talk to you about uh, life insurance policies for the kids. And she goes, I, I don't want to talk to you about life insurance for the kids. And I go, why not? She's like, I don't want to talk about my kids and death. And I was like, well, I don't want to talk to you about the, the death part, but by the way, we're, we're all going one day. What I want to talk to you about is the life part and the part that allows you to purchase a policy, build up cash value so much that you can potentially take care of three generations of your family. So if you have the right policy and you have the right discipline, the, the right plan, you could literally purchase a million dollars, a million dollars worth of benefit somewhere between $70,000 and $80,000. So when I explain this to people, I go, if you do this the right way and do this with the right family members, what is the cheapest way? What is the least expensive way to purchase a guaranteed million dollars? So I, I, I got their attention at that point. And then when I take them through it, so I, I just did this. Uh, with a client. Uh, I go, do you have any grandkids? She goes, no, not yet. 
I go, well, your son's getting married and you know, we're, we're moving down that direction. I was like, what I need you to understand is what happens in other communities. Okay, the first time you can buy life insurance is when uh, a child is 15 days old. That's the cheapest it's ever gonna be, okay? But what you see in other communities is once that baby who was born two weeks ago, it's 15 days, they put a policy on that baby, okay? Put a half million dollar life insurance policy on that baby that's gonna pay out depending on the uh, depending on the interest rate, could pay out to $1.3 million, okay? If you take 10 years to pay for that policy, you know, that might be $7,500 a year. That might be $8,000 a year. But in 10 years, you're done. You never put another P in that policy. By the time that baby's 10, that $75,000 or $80,000 you put into that policy is worth more then you just paid for it. And that is your cash that you have access to. You don't have to go into the bank and ask them for anything. All you have to do is pick up the phone and say, uh, send me some money. You can, you can loan your money to yourself through a life insurance policy. So I try and share that with folks. And I, I just had this conversation with uh, one of my clients. I go, when you have your, cause I know she has the means. Okay. She's a, a, a serial entrepreneur. And mm. doing, doing well, you know. And I go, when you had that first grandbaby, I want you to look at this because I was like, for, I showed her exactly in a life insurance illustration. I go, for this amount of money, this is what you're guaranteed. It's guaranteed. Okay. There's no other financial vehicle I know of where you know exactly what you spend and exactly what you stand to gain other than a life insurance policy with cash value. And there are different types of, of policies, but we're going to try and keep this, uh, keep this simple. When I showed it to her in black and white, it's like, all you got to do is pay this for 10 years. And this is what you get. It's guaranteed. And as the child is getting older, you know, that cash value is going up. So you have cash value and then you have death benefit, but you know, there's some movement in there. Okay. But when that child is 10 years old, they already have 80,000, 80 plus thousand in, in cash value. When that child is 20 years old, they got money in that life insurance policy that they can use for school. When that child is 30 years old, they got, you know, they go to the bank and look for a mortgage loan. It's like, do you have any assets? Do you have any financial assets? Well, yeah, I got this life insurance policy that's got about $200,000 in cash value or $244,000 in cash value. And the bank is looking at you like, okay, you're pretty much liquid. Okay, you're, you're, not, um, you're not exposed here. You, 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 you have some resources that we can work with. We don't have to worry about you not making your mortgage note because you got, you got money you know, through your life insurance policy. But when that, when that child reaches 70 years old and they have six, $700,000 cash value in that policy, if they haven't touched it, this is what you do. This is what I tell folks to do. So you get about 72 and you, you got all this money sitting over here. You take out a huge loan to yourself, tax-free. You ain't paying no taxes on that. Because that's what they do, Calvin. Okay. Hmm. Then you take that money and you reinvest it into your family. And it's like, okay, first thing you do when you cash in a life insurance policy is you go buy some more life insurance. Okay. And if you can, I tell folks, I try and get them when they're young, 15 days old. I mean, the older you are, the more expensive it becomes because uh, the biggest part of that uh, actuary formula is mortality rate. That's, that's the big data point they have to go on, life expectancy. So you get this while you're young, you know, but the catch 22, Yolanda, when you're young, you don't have that premium. Then when you get old and, and you're in your peak earning years, you, you got the premium, but it's going to cost you a lot. So uh, don't worry about your, as my sister said, I don't want to talk about my kids and death. Talk about your kids and, and life 
and talk about a policy that me as a grandparent and I have purchased for my granddaughter, okay, that's her policy, but it'll have so much cash value in it if when I go, I need money for burial, okay? If I got my estate plan, I was like, look, here go the resources, go hit this life insurance policy and pull out. And I, 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 don't, I don't want a big, I don't want a big send off. You know, there's going to be a scotch bottle and some tickets to Mexico to let them ashes go in the wind if I can't get to Ghana. OK, but, you know, that life insurance is is critical. OK, and people really need to. Really need to um, not be shy or uh, be embarrassed about what they don't know. Okay? Yeah, you know if, if, you, if you can let your hair down, you can learn some things. Yeah, Steve, thank you for um, getting us started with that, because, you know, I got a couple topics that I want to cover before we get into the Q&A, right? And I see some curious people in the audience, right? And I know they got some questions, and we're going to drop in some questions for you and Yolanda. And if you're already curious and you're thinking, go ahead and put your question in the chat, and Tamika and Katie are going to grab them. But let's talk about a couple things, Steve, and then we're going to get to some questions. Okay. I love one of the favorite topics you talk about is understanding your coverage. You also talk about risk management, and we don't talk about both of those. Okay. But tell me, when it comes to understanding your coverage, what's the biggest challenge you see? And if you don't mind sharing with us, you know, some examples of what understanding your coverage looks like. I call this the 100, 300, 100. I think that's your words. But help us understand yeah. understanding your coverage. If you can, pull that uh, screenshot example a, uh, that I sent you uh, early in the day. And this, this also... Uh, dovetails into one of the uh, things Yolanda spoke about with the accident uh, her husband had, the auto accident, okay, the, with the wrong level of liability insurance, you could be exposed in an accident, financially exposed. If you have that uh, example, what yeah. you need to know, I, I, when I ask people typically, what are your liability limits, you know, they either tell me I got a $500 deductible or I have full coverage. And it's like, and that is not the question I'm asking. I'm asking, how much liability coverage do you have on that auto that is such a vital part of your day-to-day -day activity, okay? Because you can have full coverage and you can have state minimum, okay? And in a bad accident, you can be exposed financially uh, and have to pay right away a large sum of money that if you knew your liability limits, you know, and knew you had uh, ample coverage for your situation, you limit your exposure and, and your risk. Do you have that uh, that slide? Yeah, I'm actually- Bodily injury and and, uh, and property damage? Yeah. The 100, 300, 100 you, you spoke of? Yeah, let me go ahead and um, share the screen yeah. real quick. I'm actually, I didn't download it like I was, but we are gonna get there. So let's see here. Okay. I'm sharing my screen now, and which one should I grab? Example. That example one, yeah, that's it. Okay. Yeah. So right there, uh, in the right under bodily injury and property damage, everybody needs to know those numbers. So when someone asks, "How much liability insurance do you do you have?" It's like, okay, that bodily injury, that two fifty, two hundred fifty thousand, uh, five hundred thousand, or quarter million, half million, that is bodily injury. Okay, there are over 40,000 accidents in the U.S. every day, okay? You, you don't want to be one of them. But if you happen to have an accident, have that uh, god-awful accident, send someone to the emergency room. Those bodily injury numbers, the insurance company is saying that I'm going to pay up to a quarter million dollars for the person you injured, the person you hit and sent to the hospital. The insurance company is going to pay a quarter million dollars of their medical bills. And if they're more than one person injured, they'll pay up to a half a million, okay? That last one, the uh, property damage, basically takes care of the other person's car and you know the fence or fire hydrant or pole you, you ran into, okay? But you need to understand that the big piece is that bodily injury because you know if you have minimum and you have $25,000 worth of coverage, and hit someone, send them to the hospital, and they come out with a $33,000 bill, you're on the hook for $8,000. And uh, I don't know, Yolanda, if there's a payment plan for that, you know, but pretty much once you've 
But once you've uh, created the liability, somebody wants their money. Okay. And if you don't have $8,000 in your pocket to pay the difference between what your insurance company and your contract with the insurance company says you're liable for and you've been paying premium on, you could be exposed. Go to that example uh, too, because I was talking with this uh, young guy. Yeah, that one right there. So if you look at that, this person had an accident, okay? And the person that hit him at state minimum, okay? He had enough coverage that this person couldn't even pay his bills pretty much, or they can pay $25,000 of his bill. You see that figure down there, uninsured? Is it, I can't really see it. Is it uninsured or yes, underinsured motors? Okay, yeah, uninsured motors. Okay, what is that, 205? Yeah, 205K. $25,000. The person that hit him, the woman that hit him had 25000 Okay. So she a little short on her bill. He had to use his insurance to make himself whole again. So Yolanda, you can, in a, in a bad auto accident, you, you need to know you have enough coverage to make sure there's not going to be any uh, financial devastation to you, your loved ones, to your household. Okay, and the difference between that twenty-five thousand uh, minimum coverage and that two hundred and fifty thousand dollar coverage from a premium standpoint, it could be a hundred dollars a year. Okay, so wow. I know that monthly insurance bill. A lot of people, they, they I go through this every day. They're looking at how much they pay a, a month or or what have you. You know, that's not the question you need to lead with. The question is, how much insurance do I need? And when you start, when you understand your financial position and you understand, you know, um, you understand your wealth, you understand how much, how many assets you have. I was meeting with a customer. We were doing some commercial insurance for him. I don't have his personal insurance, but he's a good friend of mine. Okay. And I looked at him. I go, what are your liability limits? And he had 100, 300, 100. And I go, his name is, is Kelvin. I go, dude, for the assets that I know you have in, the, in a bad accident, you're exposed, okay? And I was like, we're just right in the building uh, across the street, one of the buildings he owns. And I'm going, if somebody, if you hit the wrong person, it's like that person just hit the lottery. Because Kelvin Calhoun hit me and, uh, I, I need to get paid. I go, do me a favor. I don't have your personal insurance. Call your insurance agent today and find out what your liability limits are. And I go, tell you what, ask him how much a million dollars of liability insurance is for you and everybody in your household. And then you see what the difference is. Cause I know he can afford it, but you know, the chances of him having to use it. And I tell everybody this is minuscule, you know, Hopefully you're not part of that 40,000 accidents a day, every day in the, in the U.S. But when that accident happens, as, as Yolanda said, when life happens, you just want to be prepared. So you're managing your risk by understanding what your liability limits are and what you really need. So if you're 25, and I just said this to a, a, a prospect, potential client today, if you're 25 and above, I recommend that you get some big boy and some big big girl insurance, okay? You can't have state minimum, okay? And I don't like giving, I don't like writing policies with state minimum. I try and stay away from that. So the person came to me with what they're paying and you know they, they're, they're shopping for insurance and he showed me what the other insurance company sent him. I go, what are the liability limits? I was like, because you're, you're a big boy now, okay? You, you have this house that you bought two years ago, which is another asset. And I go, uh, he told me that the other insurance company sent him a price, you know, sent him a, a, a cheaper monthly premium. And I go, but is that what you need? I go, my baseline when I advise people is at least you get to 100, 300, 100. But then again, depending on who I'm talking to and what their financial situation is, we could be talking 
500,000, a million, or a million across the board, you know, because you don't want to have to pay that $180,000 that we saw in example B. You, you don't want to be on the hook for that, okay? And that premium you pay, that increase in premium between what you have and what you should have, what you have and what you need, in the event of an accident, the, the you're never going to catch up. You know, that premium you've been paying, those extra dollars you've been paying, you know, I'd rather be paying that extra $100 a year than having to find $3,000, $8,000, That's financial. What, what's, what's your phrase, Yolanda? That is exactly financial trauma. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a lot of trauma, okay? And I, would, I, I just want to add to that to say that as you're thinking about your finances, I, I challenge us to stop looking at price. I want us to start looking at value because just because you can get something cheaper, you pay for what you get. And if you find yourself exposed in a situation like that, um, it can it can have dire effects on your financial health. And if somebody is trying, like Steve is doing right now, if you run into somebody who is willing to explain to you, these are the coverages, this is why you need these coverages, they're being thorough for a reason. They're trying to protect you. And anyone who is worth their their the what you're paying them, I want you I want to challenge all of us to start focusing on value and not price because price it can vary but the cheapest thing is typically not going to be the best thing for you and you will find yourself paying double to fix whatever that cheap that cheap solution provided at a later date i have yet to see a situation where it hasn't come back to bite somebody mm -hmm. in the butt i love that i love that and great tag team you know we're going to get ready for questions. But before we go into questions, Steve, we didn't get a chance to, you know, let people know where you are and what areas you cover. You know, Yolanda is focused in North Carolina, but, you know, through a financial support, um, financial coaching perspective, she's global. Steve, mm -hmm. located in Illinois and Indiana, right? Illinois, in Indiana, and, and uh, soon to expand to, to Michigan, uh, but okay. that's more on the on the commercial side. Okay. But uh, again, I'm, I'm engaged in organizations with uh, African-American uh, insurance agents and Asian owners. Um, you know, when we have people moving from state to state, you know, we pick up the phone or we send that email. You know, I, I need somebody good to take care of my people that are coming to North Carolina. You know, so um, insurance is complex. It's a, it's a contract. You know, and people don't know the ins and outs of that. That's part of that risk management, helping you understand what that contract is and what you're actually getting. Um, people need to take some time to just get some of those basics and understand. Everybody, I hope, is looking at their insurance card and just trying to trying to make sure. OK, state minimum is not where anybody on this uh, on this meeting should be. Hmm. OK. Uh, because we're all uh, big boys and, and, and big girls. So you need to understand where your limits are, what your liability limits are. And if they're low, I would pick up the phone tomorrow and call your agent. If you're in Indiana and in Illinois, I'll gladly take you through it. But call your agent, which is what I had my guy do. Okay, I didn't have his, uh, his personal insurance. I just handled his commercial uh, insurance. But this is, that's my frat brother. I play golf with him every Saturday and I'm looking at him. I'm going to do, I just know some of your portfolio. Okay. And then I called him back a week later. I sent him a text. I was like, did you increase those limits yet? He called me the next day and said, yeah, he did. You know, because it was important to me. I'd hate for him to be exposed or be on the, on the wrong end of an accident. Well, you know, we got a question popped in, um, Steve, and the question is, are there, do you have any contacts in California or in San Francisco? In San Francisco, mm -hmm. I, I can locate them. 
you know, so. So we're going to drop uh, yeah. information in the chat, if you don't mind. Um, what's the best way they can contact you? Um, is it your public website or what's the best way for them to access you? Website or just call me on my mobile. And that's one thing I do. Uh, my clients get my mobile number. Okay. And I just told somebody today, I was like, if you call that 800 number mm-hmm. before you call me, I'm going to be upset. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I would handle this thing totally different. You think you have a claim? Don't call that 800 number until you know. 100% you have a claim. And because, what's the so we can get to the people. I'm, I'm going to type it oh, for you. 312-523-8792. So that's 312-523-8792. And um, that's for Yolanda Harris. And it seems like Steve will help you connect with somebody. So let's go to some other questions. Um, and, and Yolanda, um, you know, as we get close to wrap up, I want to get a chance to um, do a few questions. Um, let's see, what are the questions we have in the chat, Katie? Uh, Tamika, you see any other questions? I have a quick question. Can you explain, and this is for Steve, really, can you explain the difference between term life insurance and whole life insurance? Sure. Okay. And, and, and term insurance is to the date. Okay. It's for a period of time. So a 10-year term policy, Katie, is... Uh, March 31st, 2022 to March 31st, 2032. That is the term. Now, the policy can continue, but once that 10-year term has, uh, has, has reached term, the premium for that policy is going to increase dramatically. Okay. Um, term is probably the the easiest type of, or the I'll say the cheapest insurance that you can purchase, but it's to a date. So if something happens to you, KD, in between those 10 years, your beneficiaries receive that money. Now, whole life or universal life or permanent insurance is going to go until most cases that I've seen 121 years old. If you make it to 121, the insurance company is just going to tap out and just going to throw some money, you know, uh, at you. Like, look, okay, you you going into Yoda years, so we, you know, thank you. But if you do it the right way, there there are policies out there: 10 10 pays, 15 pays, 20 pays. You know, whole life policy you can pay on until you're 100 years old. Okay, you're going to be paying that premium. Or I look at ways for people to take that concentrated period, that discipline. Uh, period to say, hey, I'm going to knock this thing out in 10 years and not put another dime in here and have cash value and a tax-free financial asset, not an investment, okay, because investments have more risk, okay? This is guaranteed money. All you do, you pay this and you get this, okay? You, You pay this premium and you get this benefit or your beneficiaries get this benefit. But if the prop or if the policy is structured the right way and it's a big enough policy, okay, you're on your way to building that equity that our community sorely needs. Okay, that's just one vehicle. You know, I see other communities, they have they have mutual funds, they have stocks, you know, they have a diverse portfolio. But I also also see them guys coming in from the uh, Chicago Mercantile Exchange getting that million dollar whole life or permanent policy that's guaranteed at 4% interest. Okay. So when your stocks, when the stock market takes a hiccup, okay, that money's gone. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to explain this to, to my frat brother. He's like, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll get it back. No, it's gone that day. That, that, that money that was built up, that investment that was built up is gone that day. So people diversify their investments with guaranteed money through a life insurance policy. So, you know, if you have the means and, and the wherewithal and you, you have this diverse portfolio, you'll get that 4% interest on a life insurance policy that I see them all the time. You know, when that person's gone, somebody in his family, his or her family, are going to be the beneficiaries. They got a million dollars or $5 million coming into the family, okay, into that estate plan that 
gets funneled out again. So over generation, generation, people are just, they're just gaining. And once you get that first 4%, you go buy some more and you get some more. Compound interest makes this country great for, as Yolanda said, for some that have figured it out. More of us have to figure it out. Awesome. We got one last question before we lose Steve. Um, let's see here. What do you all think of, what's this from Ren? Index annuities. I'm not familiar with that term. Index annuities. Can we speak to that? I'm not the annuities expert, so I'm, I'm going to defer. Yeah. Yeah, Ren, that's a hard question. I don't, I don't know that one. I would say um, they, they are... Um, a great vehicle. I would say talk to a financial advisor about it um, because they can, if that works for your financial plan, then they are a great vehicle to use, but you, you've got to make sure that it works within your, it has to make sense. You know, what problem is it solving for you? And if it makes sense for your plan, then that's something that you should look into. But um, I would say talk to a financial advisor about it. I like and Ren, if you, if you don't have a financial advisor, Ren, where are you located? South Carolina. South, South Carolina. Carolina. I can say um, my financial advisor, I'm pretty sure he's licensed in the state of South Carolina. It's a phone call, Ren. You know, so uh, happy to put you in, in touch with Alan and uh, had that conversation because I think Alan is licensed in, in all 50 states. But, you know, I met Alan through my uh, through my tax attorney. And she was like, yo, <laughs> Alan got me straight. You know, he, he, he put that financial plan together. Every time I see her, she's smiling, you know, but then I went to go see Alan. So um, Yolanda helps people. I help people. I know Yolanda's got a, a team of, of folks she can rely on and, and call. So Ren, happy to introduce you to, to Alan. And, uh, you know, he's happy to take the call. And I'm sure he can dig a lot deeper into uh, index annuities than I, I can even pretend to. Awesome. Awesome. Well, this has been great, great. Steve, thank you for being here tonight. Thank you for sharing with us your perspective, your wisdom, your, 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 you know, I, I love these conversations because it's like solving a puddle, a pu I can't say it, a, a puzzle, a riddle, and that everybody has a different piece of the puzzle. Yolanda shared with us her piece. Steve shared with us his pieces of the puzzle. And I love it because when you begin to put the pieces together, you begin to see the picture. So thank you, Yolanda. Thank you, Steve, for sharing with us tonight your experiences and what you're seeing on the front lines and what it takes to reduce this financial gap in the Black community and family. Thank you for joining us at Southern Soul Livestream Talk Show. Join us weekly at soullivestream.com. If you're joining us live, we'll take a quick music break and then come back for a discussion with the audience.